So, um, what's up? I've actually, uh, lately been watching a lot of horror films, specifically ghost films. I started to think about stuff that I haven't seen. What what happened was I started listening to a podcast called The Evolution of Horror, which is an English podcast that goes thoroughly through different genres of horror films and um, was listening to that. And I kind of noticed that, okay, there's a lot of things that I meant to see that I haven't seen. So I started to pick up a lot of those things that I'd wanted to see. The Haunting, for example, from, from the 60s. And like Mungo, you know, all sorts of films and, and just exploring, you know, what makes a you know, proper scary film. And those I, are like ghost stories, basically. That's right. That's kind of my favorite type of horror film. Like, slashes can be fun. I'm not a big slasher. I like uh, Halloween, and I think there's some cool Nightmare on Street films. Yeah, like a good tight slasher is always really entertaining. It's fun, but it's never scary. And what I really want from a horror film is to be, like, properly unsettled. And to me, it's mostly ghost films that do this. I mean, you have these new films like The Conjuring, and that's kind of like a demonic spirit. But I feel like it kind of fits into the ghost film genre more. It does. The Conjuring films, I mean, it's evolved into this Conjuring universe and it's become kind of terrible and explicitly Christian. And I fucking hate that. The Conjuring 2 is so weird. It's a lot worse in most ways. As you say, it becomes very explicitly about the Christianity of these characters, which kind of feels like... It's extremely preachy. Yeah, it feels preachy, feels like religious propaganda. It feels really weird in that context. And also it's overstuffed with creatures that they're going to, you know, introduce later and have their own films like The Nun and whatever. But at the same time, it has some of the most ingenious situation setups for pure visceral creepiness. Yeah. It has both the absolute high points of James Wan's career and his worst impulses and, and things. I mean, the first one was a legitimately like good, yeah. entertaining yeah, horror I, movie. And I it had some legitimate one. scares. Mm. It, like more and more, they're basing it on jump scares and just terrible writing. I mean, did you see The Nun? Uh, no, no. Jesus no. fucking Christ, that was a horrible yeah, yeah, movie. I've, I've heard it. It's one of the bad. worst horror movies I've ever seen. And it's mm. so incredibly not frightening. Yeah. It's just silly. Yeah. Also, another part of the, the whole Christian propaganda thing of the Conjuring universe is the way they depict Ed and Lorraine Warren, which in reality were basically scam artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they depict them as these like warriors of fighting evil spirits mm. or whatever. Yeah. It just really peeves me. Like, yeah. I hate that shit. Yeah. Uh, there's something really weird about that. In, in the first film, I think it worked. I mean, it worked. It, they felt pretty sincere. Yeah. You know, they were well acted and kind of like their personal lives wasn't so much up in front. It was a good device to get into kind of a refreshing of the haunted house movie. Yeah, it felt really fresh at the time. Yeah, it did. And, you know, he had his insidious movies, which were pretty good, aside from a couple of Darth Mauls here and there, and kind of <laughs> ruining things. Yeah, for sure. One thing that peeves me a little bit about James Wan's films is that he uses a lot of kind of wacky contact lenses and makeup at times. That's the thing with a horror film, if it's supposed to be scary, you know, some of them are just funny or cool or whatever, but you're kind of building up momentum. And if you kind of place your foot wrong very easily, like the air goes out of the balloon and then regaining that momentum is very difficult or impossible. Yeah, sure. Like take... Sinister. This really good horror film up to a point 
two thirds of that film is like genuinely really good, feels really authentic, feels very creepy. These short homemade uh, eight millimeter film snippets that Ethan Hawke looks at. Yeah. At some point, they just reveal kid ghosts or whatever. It just becomes flat and boring, and you don't give a shit. And that's the case with most horror films. I mean, yeah, I totally agree. And to me, it's because they get to the point of losing suspense. Yeah. Suspense and tension is the most important tools in, especially like a ghost horror story. Like one of the quickest ways you can remove suspense is showing the monster, showing the ghost. And usually like it looks a bit silly, like it's a bit off. And sometimes it's a bit comical. And I mean... A lot of fear is fear of the unknown. And once it's a known entity, like you remove all suspense and it just becomes goofy or lame or just boring. That's the big danger. I mean, some films, they they manage to do it and they manage even to dwell on it. And it just keeps the intensity. But it's it's very difficult to pull off. For sure. You got to be really good at it. Yeah. And thoughtful about it. I actually saw a film that I thought was great. Might be an idea for the podcast later on. When I saw it, I was really surprised that I also didn't really... I guess I'd heard the title and hadn't really heard much about it. It's a ghost film called The Entity, based on more or less a true story. Like a woman who gets uh, frequently harassed and raped by like, a ghostly present in her house. And she seeks help first, like, you know, with medical professionals and later on with people who kind of believe in spirituality and things. The film is really suspenseful, very intense, like just the moments of the horror situations, they're excellent. But yeah. also it has such an oppressive atmosphere because fucking no one believes her until they're exposed to it themselves. Yeah. And then it's like it's so shocking and brutal in its intensity. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Gaspar Noe or something like that. It's really forceful and uncompromising. And really well made, very interesting. And it kind of, at parts, reminds me a little bit of something like Ghostbusters. And very obviously, Conjuring is inspired by the entity. You can yeah. see a lot of parallel lines there. That was a that was a proper discovery, I thought. Kind of surprised because it's so, so juicy as well. It's like really enjoyably made with a great cast. And it feels so 80s in a way that's, you know, just fun. Uh, I love that. That feeling when movies do that. It's just so enjoyable. Mm. I don't know. There was just something about a lot of 80s movies have this sense of uh, entertainment and mm. joy in the making of movies. Yeah. And just, I don't know what it is. I mean, movie making has changed a lot in the past Definitely. 30, 40 <laughs> years. So, of course, it has a lot to do with that. But yeah, I, I really like the suspense in horror movies when you're not believed. Mm. I think that is something that's really interesting to explore i i like it in the original Candyman, for instance mm. it has these elements of that there is horror there is a lot of horror in the actual horrific supernatural elements of it but mm. there's also a lot of just human horror of not being believed yeah. and being distrusted and being you know viewed as some sort of insane person right uh, and i feel like the newer trend i guess it might be waning a bit now but like uh, since get out this idea of the elevated horror that you know serious themes horror yeah. Which I think there's a lot of good stuff there, but they really delve into that aspect of not being believed or, you know, not being sure what's going on. Like The Invisible Man was very good, I thought. Yeah. Also dealing with, you know, spousal abuse and that sort of stuff. And that film also reminds me a lot of The Entity, actually. Yeah. It was a very interesting watch. But anyway, I was going to ask you, what are your kind of picks of horror films that like really scare and interest you? Like, I find usually I'm more scared of movies that are just more unsettling and oppressive in their atmosphere mm. than being overtly like some sort of scary goblin or ghost. Like, that usually doesn't frighten me a lot. Mm. Some movies just have a really unsettling and horrible tone to them. Mm. 
I was actually kind of creeped out by the first Paranormal Activity, yeah. which a lot of people dislike. I actually found that kind of creepy. I agree. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, like for one of those, you know, found footage, yeah. creepy movies. I actually enjoyed the first one. I watched all of them okay. in, in a quite short period of time, and most of them are kind of bad. But I actually kind of like the fourth one, too. Huh. There are some elements there that are interesting, mm. even if the movies themselves are very flawed. I really just enjoy a good oppressive atmosphere. Did you watch The Black Coat's Daughter? I did. Uh, I found that really unsettling. Yeah. Um, I'm seldom like scared, but sometimes I just think back on some unsettling scenes mm. from movies and I feel really bad. Like that's one of them. I mean, that's a really good film. Not so scary, but as you say, unsettling and very stylish. And I got very interested in the film as well. And, you know, this is what's very interesting to me about horror films in terms of, you know, what's scary or not. Yeah. Because it's not always the best film or the most interesting film that's the most scary. Like there's a lot of examples of films that are they're really good, right? They're so good. And a less good film is more scary and yeah. functions better. Like the prime example for me is something like The Shining, yeah. which is better than, you know, 98% of horror films, I think. It's an amazing movie. It's a great movie. It's so iconic. It's, you know, beautifully cast, very well acted, very stylish. And not scary. And it just isn't scary. Yeah. Uh, there are some scenes that yeah. are a bit unsettling, but overall it's just not scary it, it has some genuine creepy scenes and imagery i think to most people the bathtub scene with yeah. the old woman is probably like the most unsettling but even that like also it's a bit of its time it's very like 70s but it's not really frights that kubrick is going for either right it's just a great movie that works very well but it's just not very scary no no it isn't and like i would say maybe it's like fourth or fifth in placement of his. I mean, he's made so many films and he's not one of my favorite directors. I do absolutely love both 2001 and Clockwork Orange. I think they're insanely good. They are. And I really like a lot of other films like Strange Love. And Strange Love is so fun. And the thing that drags Shining down a little bit is just that I'm not scared. I, I wish I was. But, you know, everything else about it is great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a classic for a really good reason. But it's almost too iconic. It's almost too kind of juicy. And, you know, the score is so great and imagery is so powerful. It almost doesn't leave you to imagination. It doesn't leave you alone in like the insecurity and ambiguity of what could be. I mean, yeah. it does have a lot of narratively, it does have a lot of like spots where you're kind of searching. When was Jack Nicholson actually there? And, you know, what is the past and all that sort of stuff. But it's almost too sumptuous to let you dwell I agree. But also to me, it's just too well known. Through cultural osmosis, it's mm. been parodied so much. Like, you know, every plot point, like Jack Nicholson is so iconic. You know, everything about it is just so well known. And as I mentioned earlier, like a lot of the fair in horror movies comes mm. from the unknown. Mm. And everything about The Shining is just so known, mm. you know. Plus, Stephen King, to me, he doesn't really write scary stuff. He writes some interesting stuff, but it doesn't frighten me. But yeah, speaking of stuff that I personally find frightening or unsettling, like stuff I think about after watching mm. it, uh, Ben Wheatley's 2011 movie Kill List. Yeah, that's very good. While I didn't find it scary while watching it, I found it very unsettling. And I found some of the scenes, especially the ending scenes, just really like, ugh. Just fucking stuck with me, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. afterwards. <laughs> like, I so, felt, uh, like, unclean. Mm. Uh, it goes yeah, places. Yeah, it goes some horrible places. And just the turn of the movie mm. and just this almost Hitchcockian feeling of suspense throughout it. I love that. Mm. I haven't really been very enamored with his later movies, but I really love Kill List, and I find it a really unsettling movie. Yeah, Kill List is good. I quite enjoyed Satyrs. I really quite like A Field in England. I think that's pretty cool. 
And it's an interesting movie. I didn't really personally like it, mm. but I, I found it interesting. But yeah, Kill List to me is like really good. It's not even a horror movie. It's more of a thriller. Yeah. But I like movies in that area of suspense. But the thing is, finding a really proper scary film, it's difficult, but it's very satisfying. It is. Like the classic example that's often brought up is The Innocents, which is this 60s haunted house film that's very good. But also like The Haunting, which I saw for the first time, which I've heard about for a long time. Yeah. It's actually, you know, it's actually really good. It's really tense. And I've been watching these... Like, there's almost a whole genre of BBC television films that are not high production and they're very quaint. The acting is very sort of BBC television from like the 80s or 70s. But still somehow they manage to get in your skin and they manage to like properly unsettle you even though like so many of the construction around it doesn't feel naturalistic or modern necessarily. Uh, There's a lot of excellent qualities about those old BBC productions. Yeah. I mean, I love so much of it. Here's an example. There's a film that, that I discovered through the Evolution of Horror podcast. Yeah. It's called The Stone Tape. And it's actually really interesting. It's about this like early stage computer company. They kind of found like a new location to start the business. And they're looking for a new recording method, a new method of like placing media, like an experimental lab, basically. Like they're talking about tapes, because at that time, that's what you had. You had there, because they had tapes and tapes. And they're talking about that that's too fragile, that's too bad. We have to find something new, right? And they're kind of exploring that stuff. And in the house they're in, turns out, has like a room, which is kind of like a bomb shelter from ages past. That's haunted. And it doesn't spend too much time, you know, asking, is it haunted or is it not? It pretty quickly declares that it is a haunted room. And some people are more sensitive than others. It's like genuinely quite intense. And it, it also has this like technology base, like their approach when they know, then they find out that the room is haunted. They immediately start to think, okay, well, we have to find out how is this possible? What's going on? And then one of those guys starts to formulate an idea that there's like uh, minerals or some kind of recording material that like a traumatic event that was so powerful happened in that room that it's literally like set in stone. It's a stone tape. Right. And it keeps repeating it time to time and freaking people out. And that as a concept is pretty cool, I think. Uh, and, you know, the acting there as well and the characters, they're so almost a douchebag, but they're so high on themselves and talking in loud and big words. They're really hateful. Yeah. Specifically, the main character is such an asshole. Nice. And it has some pretty awkward Japanese xenophobia, which is not aged well. But like the production, it's not great. And some of the effects they do is downright silly. But still, it has something that's like really genuinely unsettling. Yeah. And I mean, as you were saying, sometimes a flawed movie can be way more scary than like a masterpiece like The Shining, Mm. for instance. Another movie that I found really scary at the time I first saw it was the original Japanese Grudge. Mm. And it's quite low budget. It feels fairly cheap. But what it managed to do with what it has was really freaking people out at the time for a very good reason. It was really just horribly unsettling. And it was also this feeling that it was very like, well, not non-explained. It was explained or explored, but you weren't really sure about what was going on. You were really left in the dark constantly about what the mechanisms behind the, the haunting or whatever, the grudge, the curse on the house, or what it was. Because it didn't wasn't even uh, connected to the house necessarily. It could be anywhere. And just the um, unknowableness of the terror is really interesting to me. I think a lot of horror movies try too hard to explain what's scary. And, uh, yeah, that's a mistake. Yeah, and it just defeats the purpose. 
And Jerome is such an interesting film because it was made so many times. I mean, there's at least one television version before they made their feature film. And yeah. they also made the American ones. I think I saw a version of it that just wasn't so good. Yeah. Well, which one is it that you saw? Is it the feature film version or is it the TV version? Or? There is, I think it's the Japanese TV movie. Okay. That's the first one, as far as I know. Or it might have been a feature film in Japan. I'm actually not mm. sure. It feels fairly cheap anyway, but mm. that's the, that's the scary one in my opinion. Mm, okay. And uh, then you have the American blockbuster feature mm. film version, which I actually haven't seen. I have no interest in seeing it. And I haven't seen it either. But I think Netflix uh, released a, a Juon series, miniseries. Okay. And I actually found that really compelling. I, oh. I thought that was super interesting. Oh, I hadn't heard about that. That too managed to capture some of the bizarre atmosphere of the horror. Right, that's cool. I like yeah. it when it's weird. Yeah, it, it's weird. Like you're seeing past events from a certain room or whatever. And when you move, it's gone. Mm. And like there's this time connections and a lot of weirdness like that. And it's not really explained why or mm. how. But uh, I, I found that series really cool. And like I watched all of it in one go. And oh, nice. I was sad that there was more of it. But yeah. is that recently or? It's quite recent. I think it came out like 2019 or something. Okay. Sounds very interesting. I have very specific rules for when I watch horror films, though. If I'm kind of really going to check out like a, something that I hope is a good ghost film, I'm always on my own. Yeah. It's always dark and typically a little bit cold, either open window or a fan or something. Right. You need to feel that, uh, that ghostly energy. Well, I, I just want to be, you know, exposed as much as possible because it's so easy. Like the air can so easily go out of that balloon. Like if someone else talks, you know, the tension is fragile, I think. Yeah. And some people like they'll go watch a film and they'll just, you know, laugh and talk while they're watching it. And then they'll afterwards say, oh, that wasn't scary, right? But you're not allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Right. You're not giving it the proper chance. That's right. And then you're just a coward in my eyes. You, yeah. You have sure. to go in and be vulnerable and like watch these films in a way where like you're really engrossed in the mood. Yeah. yeah. There's watch, no escape. Watch it properly. Like, yeah. I, I remember watching the Blair Witch Project for the first time. I watched it alone on my, you know, CRT <laughs> TV alone at like 12 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, it was dark and uh, like this shitty VHS player. And, you know, that was before the internet really took off and you knew about like uh, found footage or like... Because mm. um, they have concocted this whole like fake story behind it. Right. And uh, at the time, nobody really knew what was true. Definitely. And, you know, when I watched it in that setting, I found it terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and it was really good. And it was, a, but it was about, you know, allowing yourself to be frightened. Like, mm. put yourself in a vulnerable space. Yeah. And then watch a scary movie. And, you, you know, that's only fair. Yeah. And then if you're lucky, you'll get, like, seriously freaked out and unsettled. And If you're lucky, uh, you'll get traumatized. <laughs> yeah. I have kind of a, an old-time favorite horror film. Yeah. Is it Casper the Friendly Ghost? Oh my god, how the fuck did you know? <laughs> it's my favorite scary movie too. <laughs> that I, movie is actually kind of enjoyable. I love it's, that. It's like uh, a 90s classic. I love that Dan Aykroyd cameo. Dan Aykroyd with his crystal skull of vodka. Oh, Jesus. It's a British television movie. It's adaptation of a book. It's called The Woman in Black. It was remade a few years ago with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, yeah, yeah. That version is kind of okay. I, I don't really like it so much, but it's not terrible either. But like the old television film is so fucking good. To me, it's like the prime example of what you should do with horror, basically. Right. It's about a solicitor uh, who's uh, kind of young and he's working at this company and he's told to take care of like the estate where uh, old woman has recently died. 
out in the country and this estate is kind of outside of the village and there's like at certain times of day it's uh, you can't cross like the road because it's filled with water and lots of fog and stuff so it's really isolated it becomes very isolated yep. and he comes there and he, he does his works and does his overflows and he, he hears noises outside in the fog in the evenings and most of the film is just like very tense very creepy you have this old woman who's often just standing in the background She's kind of a presence and her eyes are just so filled with hate. And a lot of the film is just like very slowly creepy building up tension. And then it pays off at some point. And when it does, it's, you know, like jump scares, they can be like really quick. Yeah. You know, like rah, it's a sudden thing that you see. In this film, when that happens, it's more like a, a slow realization thing and it just kind of falls down on you it feels almost like forever when you're just kind of gasping out loud and just enveloped by this absolute horror and it's really overwhelming Amazing. and the f whole film is kind of built up to this nice and you know it's a tv film it's definitely not a flashy film but it's handsome it's, it's really foggy it's very moody i enjoy some good fog to be honest yeah yeah i definitely recommend checking that out it's it's from 89 I recently got the book, so I'm going to read that as well. It's In England, it's um, pretty well known as a theatre play. Like, there's a two-person theatre. That's a bit more... I saw it a few years ago. It's a bit more kind of shock. It's, it's, you know, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. It's not proper scary, I think, but um, cool to watch. But that, that film is genuinely very well thought out, I think, and, and the way it builds up. Is it a BBC production? I'm not sure. It could be. It could be something else. ITV or who knows. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm constantly looking for something else that has some of that tension that just leaves you in this extremely upset state. Like I saw this really old one as well called The Uninvited, which is American production, but set in England, which is kind of like a, a haunted house thing. It might be from the 40s or something. Pretty old. And it has that kind of acting and that kind of plot. And it's a bit contrived and yep. you know charming in a way, but also manages to kind of Build some of that unease where you're just, you can't settle. I feel a lot of that in old Gothic novels. I don't know if you read uh, Wuthering Heights, for instance. No. Like, it's not scary or anything, but it has a really oppressive atmosphere. And, you know, a lot of the stuff you're talking about, it makes me think about those sorts of things. Mm. You know, um, Edgar Allan Poe too. Like those, mm. there's a um, sense of horror that's bubbling underneath the surface, and it's not often tackled head on. But I love the feeling that it can burst out at any moment. And you know, in good horror, it is like that too. But it has a lot in common, like especially like suspenseful kind of haunted house. Mm. You know, ghost stories has a lot in common with those old gothic tales. Mm. Yeah, I love Edgar Allan Poe. To me, he's a bit too sumptuous, maybe, to actually be scary. I love those characters and those plots and stories. It's never so unsettling. It's mostly just very enjoyable, I think. Yeah. It's never scary, but I find it most unsettling when he, you know, delves into the psyche of mm. madman yeah, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Where the human horror is much more scary than, mm. than whatever, like, supernatural element. Mm. But yeah, there's just this, it's more like an atmosphere that's mm. very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. I feel like... I'm not sure I ever saw like a really good adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe. Like a movie adaptation? Hmm. Yeah, I, I can't really think of one. I know there's been a lot of adaptations. Yeah, yeah there's but... been a few, yeah. Uh, actually, my, my favorite adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe is, um, I might have mentioned it before, but it's 
is this really weird 90s game called The Dark Eye. Yeah, I think you've talked about that. Because <laughs> it's, like it's like a stop motion, first person puzzle, like seventh guest type thing, except there's not much in the way of puzzles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, William Burroughs narrates. Right. And he has such a distinct voice. That's putting it nicely. He has a kind of a grating voice, in yeah. my opinion. But. Yeah, really. It's quite grating, but very, very interesting as well. And some of the way it adapts Edgar Allan Poe feels very like that's how you should do it. Yeah. And I'd like to see a really good movie that just, I mean, could be The Raven, it could be like Telltale Heart or... The Mask of Red Death. That I know, would be great. Uh, I know that one's been adapted a few times. Yeah. In a way that may be fun, like Vincent Price and stuff, but not in a way that feels like genuinely in the mode of Edgar Allan Poe. No. And kind of, I mean, that's the same thing with Lovecraft. Like you've got stylistic adaptations, but not something that's really fully kind of embraced that xenophobia and uh, <laughs> fish hate. For sure. Uh, I like... I'd really like to see a good uh, adaptation of uh, Robert Chambers' King in Yellow. Uh, I'm not sure if you read it, but it's a collection of short stories. Some are better than others, but a lot of them are really interesting. Mm. They have this deep, you know, cosmic horror in them. Mm. And I know Lovecraft was super inspired by him. But, okay, okay. Uh, so he's, he predates... Uh... Yeah, or he's kind of contemporaneous, mm. I think. He didn't produce a lot of these horror stories but uh the ones that i've read some of them are really good oh, and nice. uh, i i don't think there's been a lot of adaptations of them well i know that true detective refers to it yeah and those things are actually i love those references in true detective i also like that it's not a specific adaptation of anything by Robert chambers it's mm. more like just hinting at connections mm. to you know is it carcosa Sarcosa, uh, or the King in Yellow mm. and all that stuff. Uh, it's just vaguely haunting and threatening. Mm. And what I love about the short story collection is that it's also, it's quite varied mm. in the way it approaches these things. Some of it really reminds me of Edgar Allan Poe. Other stuff is more Lovecraftian. But I think Chambers writes better than Lovecraft. I think Lovecraft is pretty good with ideas, but it's often quite dense and, and difficult to, well, it's very flowery language anyways. But I think it varies a lot. Like some of his short stories are just genius in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are maybe not so good, but he has like a handful that are great. True. But the Robert Chambers stories around the King in Yellow, I like that it never really deals with it. You're never really explained mm. what it is, what is the thing. It's always like in the periphery. And I love that because that makes it way more unsettling. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'd love to see some cool adaptation of that. And Poe. And Lovecraft, for that matter. Mm. I mean, Lovecraft has been failed at so many times <laughs> at movie adaptations. Hey, it's quite interesting, like, what works kind of, say, Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's been adapted so many times and so many times well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in so many different ways, like, so many variations just on Nosferatu. Yeah, but like so many different cool versions mm. that work on their own premises yeah. while, you know, being an important expansion of the original book. Yeah. You could sort of say the thing, same thing about Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, it also has some interesting adaptations. Well, you know, I'm really thirsty for a good Frankenstein adaptation. I feel like almost all of the things I've seen uh, have been kind of shit. I mean, like the one example that everyone brings up is Bride of Frankenstein, which is good. And like the first Frankenstein, which is iconic. But I'd like to see a really good adaptation. Why you didn't think uh, Robert De Niro as Frankenstein's monster was great? I thought it was shit. I'm the frag is that monster. Hey, <laughs> I'm walking here. <laughs> I'm walking here. I think that movie had some interesting yeah, elements. It, it does have interesting uh, elements. I, I love the scene when he's like emerging and covered in slime and he tries to walk. And that, that's a very visceral, powerful scene. 
but yeah, the book is really cool, and it would be cool to because there's like so, there's so many elements of like Victorian like travel mm. and science mm. and all, all these things that would be really cool to explore in some interesting way, and it's just a really entertaining story. When I was very young, I have this memory of I think it's one of the Hammer horror Frankenstein movies, so it's difficult to know which one. But I was watching. Watching it, I think, like really early in the morning uh, when my parents weren't awake because I wasn't allowed to watch it. I was really young. And it was really slow paced. I think most of the movie was basically just gathering the body parts and stuff, which was kind of freaky. Yeah. And then at the point where, where the monster woke, I just freaked the fuck out uh, wow. and I ran away. And One it, of the few people who's actually been scared of the Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, but something to do, I think, with just like they took a lot of time and just... I imagine that the monster part of that movie is like maybe the last third or something. I don't know. I'm not sure it's a great adaptation these days, but I like the idea of, you know, focusing so much on just like the nasty bits of gathering the body and stuff. I, I mean, that can probably be done extremely horrifically but because essentially you're like crafting this unholy flesh golem mm. of body parts. Mm. And I mean, it's, it's just uh, an abomination. Mm. I mean, in the book... That part is not really dwelt upon too much. Mm. It's more like the, um, or would you see like the philosophical mm. problems of being a creator and what, what is your like um, responsibility as a creator towards yeah. your created being and these things. And it's not like very deeply philosophical. Mm. I mean, it, it was written by an 18 year old mm. uh, very well, I would say, mm. but, but you still notice it lacks a certain like experience, but it's still really cool and mm. fun. Yeah, it's a really good book. It is a really good book, but it doesn't really dwell on the body horror aspects, no, which no. I feel you could do really yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel it's there should be loads of great adaptations, and it has been adapted a lot of times. Most of the time, they're kind of uninteresting, I think. Yeah, it's not like it's not like Dracula, mm. where you have a lot of interesting adaptations that are actually super good. There has been a lot of interesting Frankenstein adaptations that have been kind of missing the mark or, mm. or failed in some interesting ways. Yeah. Let's see more like classic uh, horror revitalization. I'd yeah. love to see that. Give me some Frankenstein's monster. Mm. Hey, <laughs> I'm being crafted here. <laughs> that is the title of the new Frankenstein movie. Yeah. I'm being crafted here. <laughs> hey, I'm being crafted here. <laughs> hey, someone's creating me. <laughs> I think that's probably it for this episode. Well, thank you for listening, dear listener. Yeah, thanks for taking this walk down... Uh, a spooky, scary lane with us. <laughs> if you want to get in touch, send us an email at unpleasantmovies at protonmail.com. The music for this episode was made by Sverre Ogor and Yuskarning under the guise of Umulium. The artwork was made by Thomas Bambra. And um, that's it for now. We'll see you in another scary uh, graveyard somewhere. Somewhere. Down the line. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye.